0: Imagine this, you're an impulsive teenager hanging out with your friends on the weekends and they decide to convince you to rob a store with them. When you're found by the police officers, you realize that one of your friends has a weapon and when you're taken to the police station, they held you accountable as an adult. Now what do you do in this situation? Should kids like you be able to be held accountable as an adult for their crimes? That's what we're discussing in this podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm here with Anna and Aiden, and we're discussing whether or not children should be held accountable for their crimes and sent to adult prisons and tried as adults. Okay, we're going to hop into it. So the first point I'd like to make has to do with the development of these children's brains and what this has to do with whether or not they commit a crime. A quote I found from urmc.rochester.edu says, the rational part of a teen's brain isn't fully developed and won't be until the age of 25 or so. In fact, recent research has found that the adult and teen brains work differently. Adults think with prefrontal, the prefrontal cortex and the brain's rational part. This is the part of the brain that is responsible that responds to situations with good judgment and an awareness of long-term consequences. Teens process of, process informations with the amygdala. This is the emotional part. So basically, what this quote is saying is how teens don't think based off of like fact and what they should be doing and having good judgment. They really think more off the emotional part, and this is a big. This is a big deal because when it literally, teens and adults don't—they don't think the same. And teens are a lot more impulsive, and this is why. And um, another thing is that um, I found this from people.lono.edu. It says first, the age range are is inherently a tra- is an inherently transitional time. There are rapid and dramatic changes in individual's physical, intellectual, emotional, and social ca- capabilities. If there is a period in the lifespan during which one might choose to draw a line between incom- incompetent and competent individuals, this is it. So you're going through a bunch. You're going through puberty. You're going through all of these things. And you really aren't thinking based off of fact. And you have a ton of hormones. And it's just, it really is a dramatic changes going on. Um, I think that it plays a big role because the psychology of your brain, it really just like the way it affects you, it's like plays a big role in what you will do and how you act. And I think the fact that you are not fully developed until 25 plays a big role in why children shouldn't, should be, or shouldn't be in um, adult prisons.
2: Uh, that's a good point, Lily. I mean how the how the brain grows is strongly affected by the child's experiences with other people in the world nurturing care for the mind is critical for brain growth children grow and learn best from a safe environment they're protected from neglect and, and from extreme or chronic stress with plenty of opportunities to play and explore and like there's uh research that says that uh there's differences between youth and adults that have uh used decision making invoice control susceptibility and peer pressure as the differences between the brain uh, while these differences do not excuse youth from responsibility for their actions the supreme court has repeatedly recognized that youth are less blameworthy than adults and more capable of change and rehabilitation
3: this is aiden talking to Lindsay quinlan uh this is my interview uh For the first question should different ages of kids should different ages of kids have different punishments solely based on their age
4: uh depends upon the infraction uh severity of infraction and age uh could determine harsher punishments again it just kind of depends upon the infraction if it's something minimal like you know stealing or things like that then it could depend on their age if they're younger and they stole something minimal Then they can have a a smaller punishment, but if they're, you know, younger and do a, you know, steal something more of value, they should have a harsher punishment. Mm -hmm.
3: So. Alright, like, what do you think about, like, like you, you said, like, something small like stealing. What would something major have to do for a little kid to get, like, a major punishment?
4: I think the law states anything of value over 5000 So, potentially a car, something significantly of value. Alright.
3: Uh, what are examples of punishments susceptible for kids under the age of 17?
4: Under the age of 17? Again, depend, depends upon the infraction. Are Did somebody under the we'll age of 17 m- steal something? Minor,
3: minor infraction first.
4: Okay. Minor infractions like...
3: Stealing, stealing,
4: drug charges, things like that. Mm-hmm. What are acceptable punishments? Mm-hmm. Depends on how many infractions they've had. Have they had multiple? First time. If, first time offenders. Oh, I think you should always get. I mean, unless it's something pretty severe, like stealing a car or taking a life, or things like that. You should always have some kind of probation to be able to learn. Um, given a, you know, a clean history. If you do not have a clean history, then the punishment should go according to what is needed for educational purposes. So if they're, you know, doing something pretty significant and they need to have a decent punishment because of it, um, I don't necessarily think jail time because I don't necessarily think that that is it. Uh, but I do think that there, there are different punishments that are available that could be subjected to the child.
3: All right, that's that's a good answer. Do you... Uh do you think it's acceptable slash unacceptable to uh for a kid to get punishment inside the household as an actual punishment uh
4: yes every kid needs to have (laughs) have punishment if they do something wrong
3: like instead of like capital punishment like have their parents discipline them instead of like if like someone like stealing like
4: if you stole an eraser like yeah that's on the parent like
3: a hershey bar or something like that from like a
4: a dollar store or something yes that's on the parents because that is a, as a parent you should be able to educate your child on the moral compass of your life if it's something minimal yes 100 percent and but it again it just depends are you stealing quite a bit are you stealing a car one and hershey
3: bar we're talking like minor minor one hershey bar like
4: one sure. hershey bar one eraser yeah that's the parents that's of yeah. the courts the legal, ref- like, legal infractions and the legal amount as <laughs> well exceeds the amount mm-hmm. of items stolen.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for And then, what, this should be one of the last uh, questions. Do you believe in the death penalty?
4: For certain infractions, yes.
3: Uh, should children uh, for major crimes get the death penalty?
4: Uh, potentially. It depends upon their age and it depends upon the infraction again. I hate to keep saying that, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Death penalty is severe and you know I don't know if I could necessarily be the one Mm -hmm. to you know go through with everything but it depends upon the infraction it depends upon the child it depends upon how many times they've been in and out of the system um and and what they did Mm -hmm. and at what age did they do it at 12 did they do it at 17 we're talking like 14-15
3: right now
4: 14-15 and what infraction did they do
3: Major, major, major.
4: Fourteen, fifteen, and murder, or something like that. Yeah, depends if there is. Is this a first-time thing? Is this? Is there a history of abuse? Is there? I
3: was about to say that. Like, think mental health has a role. I
4: do. I think mental health is a, a significant issue, especially now in this world, and even more this year than any other year for people to be mindful of. Um, but it is. It, sometimes it's just within you a person to just have mental health issues so depending upon that and the you know the age and what situations that child has gone through in their life I don't necessarily believe that they should always get the death penalty all right good answer so that's actually a
0: really good point Lily um I do think that there's something there with saying that kids brains aren't Fully, or teens' brains aren't fully developed at that age. However, I do want to enlighten you with certain quotes. Um, This is one that I found from ncjrs.gov. And it says, as shown in table 10, most respondents offered formal elementary and secondary education programs, special education, general equivalency diplomas, GEDs, preparation, individual counseling, psychological and psychiatric treatment, and 85% offered vocational programs, 50% offered college courses, 81% offered AIDS prevention counseling, and 84% offered health slash nutrition programs. So just from that part of the quote, Um, I think it's very interesting how a lot of adult prisons do offer um, a lot of the services that people say only juvenile prisons claim to have, such as primary and secondary schooling options. Um, I do think that this quote is saying that maybe the adult prison might not be as bad for the child as it might seem in just the statistics because these are statistics and they're saying otherwise. Um another quote I found from NCJRS says Youth must comply with grooming standards, attend study periods, and maintain their cells in accordance with SMU regulations. All youth are expected to participate in physical fitness, mental awareness, and recreational programs, which encourage word search, contests, puzzles, and fitness challenges and testing. So this basically shows that adult prisons can be um, comparable in a way to juvenile prisons by offering them activities um, and other sorts of things that can encourage brain function. Um, to go along with your point, um, since teens are in such a critical stage of development in their lives, uh, a lot of adult prisons do offer um, services to accommodate to that. So the following clip is of me interviewing my mom And I had asked her a question relating to psychology, and I had asked, should different ages of kids have different punishments solely because of their age? And in the example I gave her, say at the beginning of the podcast, I asked her in that situation where a kid was arrested and tried as an adult, if their punishments should be different just solely on their age. Um, The thing about that question that made it hard to answer was because they were so close in age, some might say, um, a difference of five years, 13 and 18. Um, But here's what she said.
2: In teens' brains, the connection between the emotional part of the brain and the decision-making center are still developing. And not always at the same rate. This is why teens can have over- overwhelming emotional input, and they can't later later explain what they're thinking. They weren't thinking as much as they were feeling. I think this uh, relates to Lord of the Flies a lot because people tend to make rash decisions when they're rash decisions when they're uh, excluded from a group. Like when they were shunned from a group, they couldn't speak, eat, or take part in any activity with the tribe, or even sleep near the tribe. So,
3: let's say a child committed a major, major, like top of the bar crime. Uh, what age do you think they should first be held accountable as an adult? So let try it.
4: Again, it depends on how many infractions. Major, like,
3: first time, like...
4: First time and we stole a car, or...
3: No, like, major, like, mass murder or something, along those
4: lines. Um, probably, what, 16? Um, because at that time you formed enough of your 15, 16, something along those lines, you could potentially be, um, because you've had enough life experiences to know, uh, the value of life, um, and things like that. I, I do think that they could be, um, tried as adult. If they were 15, 16, somebody 12, somebody 10 might not understand the severity of life or the severity of what they're doing, dependent upon, you know, their upbringing. If they didn't have, you know significant moral judgment brought into them um they might have more more of a un- they don't understand as much what they've done mm-hmm.
3: All right. if a child committed not like say like murder against you but like top of the ed- top of the end crime but just not like taking any life and that was against you do you think that they should be tried as a minor and adult
4: it depends again
3: what age it's, uh we're talking 15 16 right now we're talking or uh 17,
4: 15, 16, 17. 15, 16, 17 in, um, you know, assault? A major crime, yeah. You're talking like assault? Battery, stuff like that, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think that they should get the death penalty or anything like that, but I do think that they should have some type of, you know, recourse because of that. I don't necessarily know if juvenile detention centers would be there, but I do think that volunteering at or force volunteering shall I say um at service uh, but more than that uh where you have to live in a home for battered women or battered men again there's two sides to every coin so uh, you know seeing those real life stories and hearing them and being a part of those families and seeing you know the consequences to not just your actions but every other person's action that Learning, I think if there's a value of learning from it, you don't necessarily have to go to prison or jail or things like that.
3: So you believe like programs like on like the TV show Scared Straight? uh, You believe those are like should be like one of those cases where they're used?
4: It depends upon the child. Yeah, if this is a first or second infraction, and they're you know just trying to deal with their own I don't know how to say that deal with their own. Insecurities tolerance. or, uh, you know, issues, and they don't understand, then I think that a scared straight could 100% work for those type of people. A habitual offender, no, it's not going to do anything because they've had to most likely gone through something along those lines, whether or not it be a scared straight, but they've potentially had, you know, legal issues in the past. It's not going to take the same effect as it would a first or second time offender.
3: Do you think an a habitual offender that had that crime committed against them and it's been proven should be given more of a break when it comes to punishment?
4: What do you mean? It's been proven that it didn't happen? or No, it like, I like think it, like it
3: did happen to them. Like, if, like, in a person who, like, assaults people grew up in an uh, abusive home or something like that, do you think they should get more uh, leeway? Um, again, it
4: depends upon the assault. Um, was it to a girlfriend? Was it to a boyfriend? Was it to... Yeah, parent was uh, it I was, to I go a teacher,
3: of, like a significant other slash friend?
4: Okay. Um, if it was something along those lines, because there is, there's emotional ties there that I do think that they're, I think everybody in those situations needs an insane amount of counseling because counselors are trained to be able to deal with that. So, in in accordance to whatever punishment they receive, counseling should always be for any one of these children that has gone through things, just because you might not have had the best upbringing or not, uh, there's always a value in therapy and there's always a value for um, kids that might not, again, have that moral compass, you know, put into them. They need to have some kind of therapy to be able to understand severity of actions.
3: Uh, do you think that, uh, like, kids who committed, like, a top-end crime, but, like, on the lower end, like, stealing a car or something along those lines, should have an opinion on whether they're charged as a kid or an adult, like, a first-time offender?
4: Um, I don't, but I do think that the jury and or character w- witnesses would be that, that child's voice. Mm-hmm. So if in a court of law, they decide to, you know, are debating between adult and child character, wit- character witnesses are where uh, it can play either role. So defined, whether it's, you know, just because you're 17, 18 doesn't necessarily mean that you're the brain power, the, the emotional ties of a, you know of an 18-year-old or a 30-year-old, but some 12-year-olds have the brain power and the um, maturity of 30-year-olds. So again, it just kind of depends upon the child, and that's where character witness is on both sides, what would be in play.
3: You believe, like, a, like a, what if like a first-time offender, like a normally good kid, just goes and beats someone, something like that? Do you think they should have, like, I, I think I should be charged to a kid for this, this, and this reasons, and it should be like an actual like, thought for them to be charged as a kid?
4: Uh, a good attorney would do that for you, um, not the child. Sorry to go all legal, but let's go there. A good attorney would be able to provide that, whether they're state-issued or you know, parent-funded <laughs> attorney.
0: Do you think that uh, they should receive the same punishment, and what kind of punishment would be acceptable? In that particular case, I think a 13-year-old and an 18-year-old
4: would receive different punishments because of their ages. I would definitely require each age to go through a some type of rehabilitation program while in prison. I do think a prison sentence.
0: I feel like this interview really accommodated to the pathos side of um, my interviewee because i um i kind because i know my mom loves kids so i wanted to appeal to her in that aspect by saying if there was a 13 year old someone similar to me or my brother how would that play into your opinion of whether we are tried as an adult or tried as a minor And even with all of these opportunities for people who are in correctional facilities, um, adults and juveniles, many prisoners still face extremely harsh punishments. And these activities don't take away from these punishments. Um, A quote I found from NCJRS is there is no typical juvenile sentence for someone who is found guilty of a juvenile crime. A juvenile sentence can range from several hours of community service, to two weeks in a non-secure juvenile detention facility, to years in a secure juvenile detention facility followed by years in a state or federal prison. This quote basically shows that there's a a total um, range of, of punishments that these juveniles can have, some ranging from very petty crimes, and they will be put in juvenile jails or just do community service, and some will be in adult state prisons, and that can be very extreme in some cases, some might say. But the, the question that we're debating here is, um, some is the punishment, obviously. The punishment is supposed to encourage to not do it again. And so hopefully the punishment said, or shows the kid, that they have enough time to reform and become a functioning
1: member of society. Aiden, I do think that's a good point. And I think that's a good quote from the book because um, it really relates back to this topic and it shows a lot about this. And something I've actually found is um, from the Juvenile Law Center. And they said that it opposes the treatment of youth as adults and that the juvenile justice system is designed to emphasize rehabilitation over punishment and that it is better suited to meet youth needs. When youth faces possible, possible involvement in the adult system, we advocate for adequate due process including ensuring that the decision is made by a judge following by full and proper hearing with the opportunity to appeal. And I think this is very important and the fact that it's also coming from the juvenile law center is is a big deal because it is they're, tell, they're saying that they do not support the treatment of youth as adults but when they but they do advocate that they are advocates that if they are being tried as an adult that it's very like very clear what's happening and do like adequate due processing and things like that because there, there, is a, there gets a lot of confusion with a lot of things with kids, because they don't really understand what's going on a lot of the time. And um, this is shown from a, it's from digitalcommons.com, and it says, unlike the juvenile court, the criminal court failed to communicate that young offenders retained some fundamental worth, with what the youth generally heard was that they were being punished, not only because their behavior was bad, but also because they were perceived they were personifications of their behavior. And this basically puts the kids down more and it makes them feel like they are a lot less than what they really are. And that's why the Juvenile Law Center um, advocates that it's very clear to what about what's happening. And I think that this has a lot to do with like being in the prison system because it's very, and in the, prison system with adults. The adults are not the most, the people in the prison are not the most, they're not the nicest people. They're not going to be very nice to the people, the kids when they're in prison. And I think this has a lot to do with their brains because it's like, they're going to go through a lot psychologically. And I think this has a lot to do with our next point. I'd like to turn the topic around a little bit and talk more about why these children are in these prisons to begin with. And I I found this um, quote from NIJ.gov, and it's basically talking about what the um, how children are raised and what that has to do with their, for their behavior later in life. So this says, Child abuse and neglect have been shown to increase the risk of later forms of antisocial behavior, including violence, perpetration, and, and crime in adulthood. And I think this speaks a lot of volume because if you think about it, most of the people who are incarcerated are the ones who had very bad childhoods. They were abused, neglected, and I think it's because they don't have that proper family. They don't have people to rely on. And I mean, it's, and I found this from um, developingchild.harvard.edu, and it says brains subjected to toxic stress have underdeveloped neural connections in the area of the brain most important to successful learning and behavior in school and in the workplace which that goes off what I just said it's like these children don't have fully de- these children are literally not able to fully develop because they are neglected and that's kind of why they're more impulsive and they're more likely to commit these crimes because they were they don't have these neural connections in their brains and they don't have and it's why that they it's why they have more antisocial behavior perpetration and crime and it's a major issue and i think that it's not just the person, it's not the kids who are born, it's more about how they were raised and nature versus nurture and what that has to do with it. Not exactly the child is born evil, it's more the child develops indeed. So I'd like to add a clip of an interview I'd do with my mom because I asked her some questions that relate back to these topics. And specifically I asked her one question and I asked her how much she thinks the upbringing of a child plays into the likelihood to commit a crime. And here's what she had to say. It's everything.
4: 100%. What do you mean by that? I mean, in how a child is brought up, you know what, I would say it plays a, let's just say it plays a huge role. The child that is taught right from wrong and given love is much less likely to commit a crime or a child that has a stable home life that is, you know, provided for, given love, feels safe, you check all of the boxes of a person's need, they're much less likely to resort to something
1: like that. So as you can see, she's basically saying that children who are raised and have loving stable homes, who have... Like she said who are loved for and taken care of and given their basic needs are more are more likely to go out in the world and not do these horrible things that um children get incarcerated for and are sent to the adult prisons for so she's basically saying that the upbringing of a child is like she said it's everything and it's plays a huge role in it
0: yeah Lily, i totally agree um according to That go into uh, punishment and how it affects the child in the actual detention facility. Um, um, this article quotes early antisocial behavior, emotional factors such as high behavioral activation and low behavioral inhibition, poor cognitive development, lower intelligence, and hyperactivity. Um, These traits are often common in kids who are tried as adults. These qualities are expressed at such a young age that it may be irreversible if kids um, are exposed to such traumatic events at this age. Um, It can be extremely dangerous for their mental health and these experiences may make them unable to recover from the trauma and this basically shows that it might make them end up worse than they were
2: when they were put into the facility. In teens' brains, the connection between the emotional part of the brain and the decision-making centers is, are still developing, and not in the always at the same rate. That's why the teen, teenagers have overwhelming emotional input, and then they can't explain later what they were thinking. They weren't thinking as much as they were feeling. And I think that has to do a lot with morality, because you don't give a psychopath less a lesser sentence for the crime than a good person who's in a wrong place at the wrong time. But it is a balance that you look for the defendant, and if they show any remorse at all, then they uh, shouldn't be indicated to have a lesser sentence. If you give someone who feels really bad a harsher sentence, and someone who doesn't feel bad at all a worse sentence, you just look like a really bad person in that scenario. Uh, Are children born inherently evil?
4: Not necessarily. In the eyes of God, no. He makes us all perfect. It's our sin that makes us uh, imperfect. There are mental health issues for children, adults that are just inherently in you. Um, does that necessarily make you an evil person? Do situations with mental health, situations and mental health make you evil potentially? Do situations make you evil potentially? But there are also good people that go through really tough, horrible situations that are not evil. But there are people who go through those same exact situations and they are evil so uh, inherently evil no because going the christian they're out god didn't make us evil we are perfect in his eyes as a baby we choose and things happen to us with sin that makes us not evil but not perfect in the eyes of god And that's where forgiveness comes in and salvation and things like that come in play to wash away those sins. But inherently evil? No. No one is born inherently evil. All right.
3: Uh, What about people born with, like, you've heard about the mass murderer trait and stuff like that, where, like, someone is born with a specific trait that a bunch of mass murderers have had. Do you think that person might be more hardwired
4: to be evil? No, because, again, I'm going the Christian route. God didn't make us on earth to take other people's lives. He didn't make us that way. Yes, there are traits. Yes, there are different things. Again, going back to the counseling, counseling can discover a lot of different things. You know, we've seen and we've heard lots of different things about, you know, head injuries and, you know, I feel like this, but like head injuries and people who commit murder because certain things of the head didn't form upon you know, being a child, that that's something that could cause it or traits or things like that. But there are also lots of people who have head injuries that don't want to kill people or hurt people or things like that. So those type of things, every person's different and that's why I don't think that a trait necessarily guarantees that you're going to be a mass murderer, or a stealer, or somebody who's, being impu- it, you know, who has to go through the legal system of punishment.
3: All right. How much of a role do you think the uh, child's upbringing plays in their likelihood to commit a crime?
4: Unfortunately, a lot. Um, kids without morals, um, that just didn't get that type of opportunity. Kids that didn't necessarily grow up in a loving home, or at least a loving not necessarily family, but with love, people that didn't grow up with Christianity in their life or or any type of religion, not just Christianity, but with any type of religion, they don't don't necessarily feel the impacts of certain things. So um, I do think that it plays a big role on you forming as a person I mean think of the things that you got through in your life and how much they formed you now and every other kid that's you know in your class and things like that there are lots of different things that you have encountered that have formed you to be the way that you are but does it automatically mean that you're going to commit a crime no
3: do you think more personal choice has a do you think personal choice is a bigger factor when it comes to this stuff, or like a child's upbringing to the point where they let's say someone like grew up in a, a place where a lot of murder was common or a lot of death was common? Do you think they're more hardwired to uh, commit a murder and that like that it's still a personal choice, but like more personal choice than someone who grew up in a good home and just decided to go murder somebody?
4: Uh, not necessarily. I don't think it's the environment that did it. If anything, that environment would teach them even more the value of life. I would think that that would be more of it, not necessarily the devaluation of life for those those people that see it more often.
3: Um, what about how like we did a study in class? It's like nature versus nurture. Where basically someone like can grow up in two separate places and end up completely separate routes with good parents in a bad 100%. home, or good parents in a good home, or bad. You
1: mm-hmm.
3: Go along those lines. Do you think if a bad person in a bad home is more more like hardwired to be a poorest person in general?
4: No. Because that's something God gave us is free will. And that there are a lot of people that grew up in really, really, really bad homes. And want to break the cycle. And see the value of breaking the cycle so that their children and their grandchildren, are, or not even that. Just see the value of their life of that cycle changing for them. So I don't necessarily believe that somebody who grew up in a bad home is automatically, you know, more likely to commit a crime or more likely to go into issues. Yes, there is nature versus nurture 100%, but there are tons tons of people who have been nurtured that commit heinous acts of, you know, horrible different things that grew up in a fantastic home with, you know, both parents there in Christian homes that still do these things. So there is free will. Free will is everything in these people. But again, that's mentality issues. If, if you have, you know, behavioral issues, if you have things like that, that are mental health issues that need to be addressed, that's something that hopefully the parents can see. And if not, friends, um, close relatives, somebody to be able to see, to be able to get therapy for whoever, if it's needed. Um, if not, it's just something Know, that you want you want to be mindful with your kids you want to constantly be as attentive to them as possible so that you can see these things prior to mm-hmm.
3: the prison system will never be perfect but we are curious to see with this information you guys will think of a lot of ideas to help the process get better uh,
1: thank you for all your time and goodbye <laughs>